Come on. Strong, the powerful Brian Bradley has returned to Lifeblood. Welcome back, Brian. Uh, thanks, George, for having me back on. And this is going to be a super hot topic. And, you know, just up front, I'm not an expert in crypto and I'm not anyone's, you know, financial guru. You know, I'm just an asset protection attorney and my niche just happens to focus on really wealthy clients. And I think that we're going to have a very good discussion on this topic. And just in my humble opinion, this really is the tip of the iceberg and, you know, the invention of the blockchain is really like inventing the internet, you know, and Bitcoin and crypto really have become a quote-unquote thing, and it's just taken over the conversation. Like, I can't even walk in and grab a cup of coffee or go to the gym without someone, you know, striking up a conversation about it. And people are actually legitimately spending their money that they just spent their limited time and energy making money on buying crypto. And most of my clients either already have it in their portfolio or just adding it in their portfolio now. Um, and so it's just something that we need to get our heads around. Yeah, I think that that's well said right there. So I didn't even introduce you. I didn't even need to introduce you, Brian. You've been on the show. This is your third time. You are an asset protection attorney for high net with your individuals, families. You are a speaker. You've been named the top attorney um, and excited to have you back on. So blockchain, is, so you you believe that it is it is it is going to be a transformational thing. I, I really do. You know, the blockchain itself and like one of the biggest questions I get from people is like, they don't even understand kind of like what is crypto or its value. And I think that people need to really just understand that it's uniqueness comes from the blockchain. That's really what crypto is. And the value aspect really kicked off in 2017 when people were actually able to easily buy it on exchanges and the technology became more readily available. And so now it's, it's an investment. It's based around the accounting of the blockchain and the ledger that allows for a secured transfer, transferring of secure non-repeatable bits of information from one person to another anywhere in the world. And they're secured by this digital form of an actual property title, because that's what, you know, crypto actually is, is a property title. It, it's called a di digital signature. And so property rights can now be verified without some third party you know, trust agent or a centralized banking system or, or a third party on um, the ledger records the amounts, the time and the public address of every transaction. And the information is shared across the globe and it always gets updated. And that ledger guarantees the integrity of the system and lets the currency unit become a digital property with an actual title. And so the value of Bitcoin is its payment network. Its value is the integrated payment system that the currency lives on. And if you took the Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency off that payment system or off the blockchain, its value goes immediately to zero. And so once the blockchains were tested and, and you know, tested by using it in real world applications, confidence grows and it grew and then its use value is proven. 
so really, you know, just a takeaway is that one, Bitcoin's not a standalone currency, but a unit of accounting that gets attached to its network. And then two, the network and therefore like, you know, by product Bitcoin or any other currency only gets its market value through real time testing. So people found the payment system was useful and, you know, it had an attached accounting that was portable, divisible, fungible, durable and, and scarce. And then that created the birth of a new form of money that was reliable, portable, weightless, spaceless, and verified in real time. And it allows the entire world to trade without having to rely on third parties. So just that itself is huge. But the really big thing, like I mentioned, is, you know, the blockchain is not just about money. It's about transfers that require security, confirmation, and total assurance. And so consumer desire has driven the growth of a decentralized third party. And this includes no state or bank. And it's a property title. And that's what people really need to understand for its legality is like, you know, it's defined as a property in itself. And that is where we're going to have to understand, like it's audible as well. Um, and then how the IRS are going to be classifying this new property. Nice. Well, there's a lot of stuff there for sure. It, that is, let's just start with that. So it's currently taxed as, well, maybe we can kind of get down to that later. Um, all right. So the value itself, he talked about how doing transactions, that is what is really giving it value in sort of real time. Yeah, I think like the, value, the actual value aspect and a great way to look at it is I, I came across this article listening to Guy Swan, you know, on, on his show, reading it uh, from this guy, Jeffrey Tucker. And he wrote it in December 2020. And Jeffrey is a really smart individual. He works with the American Institute for Economic Research. And it really makes you, if you read through his article, dive deep into the history of Bitcoin and then step back and analyze it, you know, like, and just saying, you know, from an investment standpoint, where's it, where's this, where's it going? And what is this even true value from? And I think the issue is from a hard money background, it's hard to make sense of what Bitcoin or cryptocurrency really even is. You know, it's just confusing. And we think that we're taught about, you know, paper money and gold. And I believe that this is where a lot of the confusion comes into play. What we need to do is update our expectations and thinking just about money. And so in 1912, there's this guy, Ludwig Nassess, um, and he wrote a theory on money and credit. And what Ludwig did here was trace the value and price of money to its origins and how money gets its price in terms of the goods and the services that you get from it. And Bitcoin satisfies the conditions you know money comes from the marketplace it comes about slowly and gradually as business owners look for a commodity of exchanges and instead of bartering with each other people can get a good not to consume but to trade right the good becomes money and money is the most marketable commodity that there is but money can only have value as a bargain for commodity um, let's look at salt, for example. Salt didn't become money because it has another value use. Bitcoin's value is that it's both a payment system and money. And I want to say this again, like Bitcoin's actual value 
is that it's both a payment system and money. The payment system is the source of the value. It is a source of value. The actual Bitcoin unit, you know, that you go and buy only expresses the value in terms of its price. It's just like I mentioned, an accounting of your trust and your faith in that network or that blockchain technology. It's the unity of being both money and a payment system that makes it unique and causes people to scratch their heads because we're conditioned to think of currency as being separate from the payment system. You know, primarily because we just didn't have the technology until now. But cryptocurrency is not just about currency remember like the currency again is just an accounting of the network and the blockchain and the blockchain is just revolutionary technology um, which i already explained so chapter one of bitcoin really was about proving that it can work and that it has a value and that was accomplished you know and we even have institutional investors coming into cryptocurrency now and billionaires and s p 500 companies implementing crypto just now um, and then you're seeing the U.S. government creating a, you know, they're, they're going to want to create a centralized crypto bank. And then they're also getting into the game as well. And now we're seeing a lot of current market manipulation because all the big hedge funds and investors are coming into it now. Um, and so that's where the market manipulation is coming in just right now that we're seeing, which gives us great opportunities to what, you know, you call buy the dip. And so now it looks like chapter two of Bitcoin and crypto is starting to take place right now. And chapter two looks to be about becoming a financial system and being a global open source and just a highly monetary network and sending money instantly around the world, but peer to peer without any third party or centralized banking. And so we're talking about billions of people and corporations. And so it's really about becoming a medium of exchange or a, you know, and currency and that's what we're just getting into now. And we just need to update our idea of the question of what's backing Bitcoin, because I tend to find that's where most people's confusion is, okay, I understand the blockchain, I understand the value source, but then what's actually backing this? Yeah, well, I guess that's the next question. So what is actually backing it? <laughs> yeah, um, so I think to understand that, you know, like we, you need to step back and go to the history you know, of the gold standard. And in the 70s, we got off the gold standard because the number of dollars needed couldn't be printed because we didn't have enough gold to cover the actual number of dollars that were needed to cover the rapidly rising productivity that we were hitting, meaning one person doing the job of 10 people. Um, but by going off the gold standard, this allowed us to go into the massive expansion and to compensate people for the rising productivity that was going on. We were able to just print more money now and not back by gold. And so if you look at it now, we're hitting the same stage in technology and productivity again, and we're about to do another hockey stick jump up. And the value of our fiat currency comes from the state or the government and then the trust that we put into the government you know, that we put in that government. It's now built around trust, not gold. And that's really the philosophical entire point of Bitcoin as a currency, because value comes from two people agreeing something has value and trust. And people lost trust in the third party, you know, intermediaries, and they lost trust in centralized finances, and simply don't trust the government anymore. And so what Bitcoin is backed by is a public blockchain ledger. 
that we went over and we talked about before. And that contains proofs of all the transactions on an open and audible network. And Bitcoin has a limited supply. There's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins ever made. And it's like every four years it gets hacked. And so you have no deflation or value by just printing more. So until now, money transfers relied on third-party service providers. And this is why banks and our institutions are indispensable. They're the centralized application making things do what you want them to do. But the problem is that these third-party payment systems aren't available to just everyone, and they aren't trusted. Um, in fact, most of humanity doesn't have access to them, or the currency in those countries is worthless. And so just think of them as being you know, financially disenfranchised. Bitcoin solved this problem and created a peer-to-peer -peer currency based off of a proof-of-work system. So again, the currency itself, so the coin, again, is only an accounting tool. The value is the payment network system itself, not the coin. The coin just expresses the value of that network or that blockchain over time. The network or value is the blockchain. And the value aspect of it, again, just like really kicked off in 2017 when people were actually able to easily go and buy it, you know, like your crypto on exchanges and the technology became more readily available. Now it's just a matter of how people want to invest or speculate into it and then understanding, you know, market, how the market moves. Nice. Nobody's ever uh, described to me that way that, that it's both money and a payment system. And that certainly makes sense why it's, why it's a value. Well, this is certainly going to be, at least I imagine, governments are going to perceive this as, as a threat. So what do you think government involvement is going to be? I think it's going to be what governments generally do. Like, I don't think that the government is going to ever just terminate crypto. Like, can they? Yes. You know, like you've seen China try every year in India and other countries. Um, does that mean the end of crypto? No, not in my opinion. Um, an, an interesting trend that was studied is that in every country that tries to ban crypto, the number of users in those countries actually goes up insignificantly and the value goes up also because the entire philosophical point of Bitcoin is decentralized currency and a lack of trust in the financial system and the government. And so now, you know, like in 2021, the government and the IRS are seeing the value of it as a taxable event that you know and, and money that they can raise from it so they're trying to get themselves into it so that they can get taxes from it as fast as possible and now they're even looking to potentially create their own government cryptocurrency to compete against you know bitcoin and the irs are linked to crypto exchanges so if you're using an exchange you know like coinbase or another you know other exchanges just realize then the irs already know about you you know just like with your personal bank accounts the exchanges have already reported the information to them so the government is going to slowly try to creep in through regulations, disclosures, and taxes like they do in every other market that they try to get into. And that's how they're going to take over you know, anything is through regulations, disclosures, and taxes. Um, they'll regulate it as capital gains and property through the IRS, um, which I'll break down later. And the new president, you know, Biden administration, they already revealed and told us that they plan to raise $700 billion in revenue over the next decade by stepping up scrutiny and audits over taxes on cryptocurrency. So the take of it is just, you know, report your transactions. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that is a, 
that's a big number right there. The government is estimating, and when there's a need of money, which there always is and there always will be, then certainly understanding that. So is it is it, well, how, how, how do you think about it in terms of an overall asset protection plan? Yeah, so as overall, to protect it, you know, the, what I would recommend is that, <coughs> excuse me, it's, it's really simple. We would just assign them, you know, like your, um, either your exchanges or the crypto that you have to what would be called an asset management limited partnership or some exchanges we would actually just open the account in your asset protection bridge trust name or asset protection trust name itself, which also works just not in your own personal name. And you can listen to like one of our prior episodes for your listeners on, you know, breaking down what a bridge trust is in a, in a limited partnership. Um, but the benefit of transferring your crypto exchanges into your trust is simply that if a person like you who's investing in crypto like Bitcoin gets sued or goes in debt, the courts can force you to disclose all of your assets and holdings. And this includes your cryptocurrency because it's legally identified as a property. And so that includes, again, the digital cryptocurrencies. Just because you bought a digital cryptocurrency doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's legally a property. And so this goes without saying that since crypto is a legal property and it can be subject to court orders and disclosures and liens, and even the exchanges that you're investing on can be subpoenaed to reveal your account ownership information, as well as the amount of the funds that are available in there, these funds are very vulnerable to being seized by creditors. So the only way to really protect your cryptocurrency is to include it in your asset protection planning like you would your real estate. Um, there's this misconception, like I said, that cryptocurrency is untraceable and there's no way to know if you own it or how much you own it. That's just not the case. When you're a, in a lawsuit and discovery is served on you and a judge orders you to disclose your assets, you either lie under oath and commit perjury and go to jail or you disclose it. And each transaction that you make is recorded in that audible ledger. So it's easily determined, you know, and discoverable. And the exchanges can be served, like I said, subpoenas on them and they will disclose what you own and how much. Um, the benefit is, you know, when you transfer your crypto into like a bridge trust, that trust is a grantor's trust. And so because it's a grantor's trust, you have no tax issues transferring it. So some people just transfer it purely offshore into offshore, like, you know, foreign trust. That isn't needed, and that would actually expose you to mandatory disclosures and require you to actually report your assets every year because you have to disclose all your assets when you have a purely foreign offshore trust to the IRS. So what you want is you know, like the offshore strength, but you want that trust domesticated by using a, an example like the bridge trust. And since that trust is now domesticated and is a grantor's trust, you have no disclosures whatsoever. Got it. Nice. Well, Brian, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I would just say always rely on the experts. Don't think that you're going to be able to do all of this on your own and especially when you're investing in digital cryptocurrencies you know upgrade your your cpa to someone who is an expert on the tax filings of what you're investing in and so it's, it's a new world out there so make sure that your experts are lined up with what you're doing well i think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on 
Brian, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Yeah. I'm sorry, you're breaking up there for a minute, but they can reach me out at www.btblegal.com or they can email me directly, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at btblegal.com. And like, I love answering people's questions. I like investing myself. So, you know, it's one thing I'm a you know, law geek and, invest, and investor geek. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brian your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to btblegal.com. Shoot Brian an email, brian at btblegal.com. And make sure that you're doing everything you need to to position yourself for success and protect yourself. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.